The Jeremy White Show. Our next guest is getting set to hit the stage for the Las Vegas residency, the House of Blues in Vegas. A couple of dates kicking off September 29th, running through to mid-October. Tickets are on sale now at houseofblues.com slash lasvegas or ticketmaster.com. Uh, of course, their brand new cover of an absolute Aerosmith jam is available now. Uh, we're going to talk all about that. Welcome to the, to the show for the first time from one of my favorite bands and my mom's favorite band, Tesla, the one and only Frank Hannon. How's it going? Hey, it's going great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on your show. And, you know, I'm happy that we're your mom's favorite band. You know, we're crossing the, the generational boundaries here, uh, pushing 40 years. It'll be um, that we've been uh, been rocking and rolling. And uh, I can't tell you how grateful we are uh, to be still doing it and crossing new frontiers with uh, a residency in Las Vegas. Uh, five shows. This is our second one this year. It's crazy. Yeah. I have, I have a really funny story to tell you actually about my mom and, and Tesla and, and Vegas specifically. My mom and a bunch of her girlfriends back in maybe, ah, oh, this had to be like 2009 or 2010. You guys were playing at the House of Blues in Vegas. My mom and her girlfriends, they all flew out there. They were all going to see Tesla. So excited, so stoked. They went to dinner, went to the hotel, everything. Got to the venue. It's posted on the doors. Performance canceled due to illness. Really? Yeah. Gosh. And that was Las Vegas? I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, it what? had to be like 2012. No, like 2009, 2010, something around that time okay. or 2011. But I remember, I specifically remember that because I thought it was hilarious because she never goes anywhere for any band. She's like, I love Tesla. I have to go. And then well, they got canceled. <laughs> I hope we've made it up to her uh, by now. Um, and if not, send her to Las Vegas here next week. We're going to be there for uh, 10 uh 10 days and five shows. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can honestly count on, on one hand, really how many shows that we've ever canceled due to illness. Uh, yeah, we did I have know. to cancel the tour when COVID hit, uh, back in 2020, uh, right when we released our cold blue steel video. Yeah. Um, but the only time we've ever really rescheduled or canceled a show is when our singer Jeff is, been a unable to sing you know and uh gosh you know that's for a guy of, at his age and the the kind of songs that he sings uh he still sounds I, fantastic yeah thank you man uh, we're, we're we still we work at it man we do work hard at, at trying to keep it going yeah well i'm sure the shows in vegas are going to be fantastic and maybe i'll surprise my mom with some passes and a flight next week you know <laughs> yeah get a hold of me man let me know and i'll put her on the list <laughs> Talking about, uh, I mean, his voice specifically, I mean, like, how does he keep it going? I mean, there's so many singers that it from, you know, your decade of music that just can't sing anymore. They're blown out like they're, you know, miming to the Pro Tools tracks at this point. But he's still going out there and just sounding incredible. I saw three shows in summer of 2019 when you guys were on tour with Def Leppard. And every night he just sounded incredible. I mean, like, what's the secret to the longevity in, in those pipes? Well... It's a combination of a lot of things. You know, it's a team effort. Uh, we we, do, we don't roll any tape or do any fake baloney. Uh, we don't, you know, we're not, we're 100% live. We don't have any backing tracks or any garbage like that. So, you know, some of our shows do sound raw, but consistently people do say the same thing that you're saying, that we sound pretty darn good still after this all this amount of time. What we do is we really are selective on the songs that we try to do. I mean, there's mm -hmm. definitely some songs in our set list that people ask for. 
I mean, that aren't in our set list, you know, that, that people want to hear that we just, we don't even try to do it because we know it'll blow his voice out. Right. You know, there's some songs from 1989 that are just impossible to do at our age. So mm-hmm. we, we stay away from those. Um, we've also, you know, we tune our guitars down a little bit on a couple things. Some, so we've tried different tunings, um, but it still sounds great. In fact, some of them sound better drop down a little bit. Yeah. Um, one song in particular, I relearned it on the guitar in a totally different key. Like normally it's plays C. Um, I'm now playing it in G. And so that brings it down to a whole nother level melodically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we experiment with those things rather than rolling tape and being fake. We want to keep it real. And uh, like I said, we actually enjoy playing these songs in different keys and different ways. Yeah. It brings like a new life to the songs at the same time. It really does, man. It, and it keeps it interesting for me as a musician to relearn and re-examine stuff that we did 35 years ago. Yeah. And on top of that, JK, he's an enigma, man. Our singer, he's one of these guys that has that young gene, you know, genetically, he's just like a young guy. He's like a little kid still, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know we were hanging out backstage and like, he was just full of energy. And I'm like, the dude's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He is awesome. I love him dearly. And uh, we've been together since, you know, 1983, 84. Uh, the first time I ever heard uh, him sing was at a club. He sat in with us and he was standing next to me and he wasn't coming to the microphone because he had had the microphone way down here. He didn't know how to even hold the microphone, but I could <laughs> hear him. I was listening to him standing next to me and I could hear that tone that he had. And uh, he joined the band and then we went to Guam and we played for three months straight every night, six sets a night, paying our dues on the island of Guam, playing for the for the Navy people there and the the military. And then we would play for locals at the villages. I mean, it was literally like going to boot camp. Damn. And uh, we did that. And then we came back and we made a demo tape with Ronnie Montrose. Mm. And uh he coached us and then we met some other people. We went to LA and one thing led to another, but, uh, from the beginning, um, uh, being a guitar player and having, uh, a singer like Jeff Keith, it's just amazing. It's, it's, I I can imagine it's like what Joe Perry feels when he listens to Steven Tyler, you know, speaking of that, you heard our Aerosmith cover. Yeah, it's great. I wanted to talk to you about that because I mean, like, you know, you guys have covered Rock Bottom and a bunch of different things. And like, you know, obviously you're a huge Joe Perry fan. Joe and Brad, not the super flashy guys. They don't make the lists of the greatest guitar players, but I mean, they've been around 50 years. You can't deny their influence. Uh, what is it about Aerosmith for you that just that's that's one of your favorite bands? Well, even as a guitar always- player. It always comes down to the songs. Um, I don't care if it's the Beatles or if it's Beethoven. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's the yeah. song. It's the song that matters. And Aerosmith, man, Dream On, Walk This Way, Sweet Emotion, SOS, you know, Nobody's Fault, Back in the Saddle, Last Child. It's the songs that they put together um as a as a group you know with brad whitford songwriting uh joe perry steven tyler tom hamilton they all put their ideas into it you know and created 
uh, songs. And that's what you remember the most about your favorite band is what songs do they play? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's how I feel anyway. Guitar perspective wise, I mean, like, what do you think of Joe as a player? Well, Joe is, is what you call a feel player. I mean, he plays off the cuff and he'll play stuff that just makes your hair stand up and makes you jump up out of your seat and go, what the hell did he just do there? You know? Yeah. So um, I love Joe's playing, but I also love Brad Whitford's playing and they complement each other very well because Brad Whitford is a very knowledgeable technician on the guitar, man. He was very precise and you can tell he's influenced by, you know, the Beatles and, and the chords that he plays. So uh, they make a great team. Um, I've always said that Eddie Van Halen is one of the greatest. I mean, you, you're a huge fan of Michael Schenker. Uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, like, what do you think about Eddie's playing compared to Schenker? Because there's a lot of comparisons online these days, especially when I talked to Mitch. You know, he'd go back and listen to some of those UFO records and you'd be like, oh, listen to that like little little knock on the wood. that, that Eddie did that like 10 years later. <laughs> stuff like that well you know i haven't heard the comparison of eddie van halen to michael shanker uh to me they sound completely different now i would say that i personally thought that eddie van halen was a little bit closer to uli john roth oh um you know ulrich roth was the original guitarist in the scorpions and the reason i say that is because uli played the whammy bar I mean, okay. the cello bar, Uli was doing stuff with the with the whammy bar. If you listen to uh, He's a Woman, She's a Man and Dark Lady and Sales of Sharon and, and those, old yeah, right. those old Scorpion songs, Uli was going nuts with that tremolo bar on a strat, you know? Yeah. So And I somehow think, keeping it in tune at the same time. <laughs> I know, man. I know. He's amazing. I love Shanker. I love Eddie Van Halen. I love Randy Rhodes. I love all the guitarists from that era that were pioneering a new direction. They're all huge influences on on me as as an 80s guy. And, you know, I was obviously influenced by the late 70s of hard rock music. Right. Uh, talking about that, Brian, I interviewed him maybe a couple of years ago, and he said he wishes that there wasn't so much reverb on your records. Are you in the same boat? Do you think they sound maybe too too much like the 80s and, and their era? No, Brian and I have totally different views and tastes when it comes to production and and stuff, you know, and I love Brian. Don't get me wrong. This is not we're just different. He and I yeah. are very different. I would not want to touch our old records and remix them or anything like that. To me, they captured us at a time. Um, the sound of our first album, which is what he might be talking about, um, a lot of that is what's called room ambience because we recorded that first album in Bearsville studio. The room was the size of a gymnasium. Oh, jeez! So no baffling, might, nothing. Just yeah, it was a totally live ambient room, um, and uh, it's it was a, a, pe- a period of time that I would not want to remix it or change it uh, myself personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you See, know, I'm a fan uh, of the big cannonball snare drum though. And I'm a fan of the overprocessed guitar tones. Like I, the eighties, my well, favorite. I don't feel like, yeah. We still kept it raw. We, I don't think we were half as slick as what was going on in the eighties. Um, we were more of an organic uh, band. Our, our guitar sounds were more just, not as dirty um mm-hmm. but i know what brian's talking about he's talking about on the lead vocals they did put some slap back and stuff like that on on his voice 
Right. Um, and our second album, uh, The Great Radio Controversy, you know, we were really trying hard at that point and overdubbing a lot of guitar tracks. And I'm guilty of that. I did. I, I have mm. to say, if you read the credits, it says guitars, guitars, more guitars. <laughs> That's because I went crazy overdubbing and double tracking. Uh, well, let me ask so, you, why were you going? Why, why were you going for that sound? Is it a product of the time? Was it because of Mutt Lang and Def Leppard, like trying to get those stacks and layers? Like, like where did that come from? Well, you know, I was young, man. Uh, you know, we were a young band. And when you have an album that you've recorded, like Mechanical Resonance, which is our first album, you know, uh, when you get a second chance on your next album, man, you're just trying harder. You're just really going for it as much as you can. And uh, they call it the sophomore uh, jinx or the sophomore syndrome where, you know, it's your second album and you're really trying even harder than you did on your first one. And right. so that's where that came from. But were you guys chasing a sound? Like, did you have an A&R guy behind your, like, over your shoulder saying, like, you know, you, you need to sound like this. Like, everybody has to sound like this right now. Like, was was that kind of like the, the scene at the time? Not really. I, I don't think okay. our A&R guy or our management were really trying to make us sound like other bands. Mm -hmm. They were really encouraging us to try to write the best songs that we could for us. And they put a lot of expectations on our songwriting and wouldn't let us just settle for the demo tapes that we made. So mm -hmm. they did put pressure on us, but I will give them credit to the point that they weren't trying to put pressure on us to sound like anybody else. No. Right. Uh, you can check out the new video for SOS Too Bad, by the way, from Full Throttle Live. Tesla came out back in May. Fantastic sounding live record. Like, did you guys go in and like touch that up at all? Or is that like raw, like off the off the floor? It is completely stage? raw. And I want to give Brian Wheat credit for mixing that uh, raw on the computer. You know, it's hard to make a computer recording sound raw. And he did a great job on that. Um, I was more of the direction of the concept of it. Uh, I knew in my head that Full Throttle... Uh, live was going to be a great gig because we recorded it at that bike festival full throttle in sturgis festival. yeah in sturgis and i personally remembered that was a good one so i asked him and our monitor engineer to dig through the uh archives and pull up that show mm. which makes up 90 percent of of the album and maybe one of the other songs came from one other show somewhere i don't know chicago or something but uh uh, Brian and myself worked on that record and mixed it together. Um, he did most of it at his studio on his computer. Then he brought it to my place and we finished it in my garage in California. And that's when we made the SOS Too Bad video and we recorded SOS live because we wanted to put a bonus track on there. Right. And, you know, Aerosmith live bootleg is is one of our favorite live albums of all time. And so that's why we, we picked that song as a tribute. Nice. That's a good homage right there. Yeah. Well, thank you. I love that. Uh, you can check that out now, wherever you get your music, by the way, it's fantastic. Um, by the way, so just real quick, last time you were in Montreal, you hooked up with Frank Marino at his house. 
Talk to me about that. I mean, I, I can't even imagine being at 5150 or at Eddie Van Halen's house hanging out. And like, I got the sense from talking to Mitch, like, because you guys are pals, like that you kind of had that feeling like, oh, my God, like I'm hanging out with Frank Marino. Like, what is it about Frank that you just love? Well, first of all, after meeting him, I was blown away at what a nice guy and what a cool down to earth, uh, friendly, talkative guy he he is. And um, most guitar players from my generation, Zach Wild, myself, you know, uh, Alex Skolnick, anybody will tell you, Vinnie Moore, any guitar player from my era will tell you that Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush, that live album that he put out in 1978 is freaking some of the greatest guitar playing of all time and uh you know again live albums uh we were talking about tesla's live album we just did yeah live albums in general have always been my favorite and in 1978 when i was a 12 year old kid frank marino mahogany rush live man i wore that album out i mean you know it's just spectacular his his world anthem and his his talking about a feeling and dragonfly and 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 uh, the stuff that he did, uh, the answer, the opening of the album. So to get to hang out with him and get invited over his house for pizza was was really uh, a, a treat uh, for for me as a fan. It's kind of cool to hear you talk about it like that because it's like at the end of the day we're all still fans regardless if we're in the business or not. We like we're we're like, we're still fans absolutely i mean we're in this business because we are fans and tesla and our and and brian wheat and myself and jeff keith i mean you know we're all huge fans and we have different tastes you mm -hmm. know brian loves the beatles i love the stones you know we're different but we all love music and we share that with each other backstage in the dressing rooms we listen to to to, to music before we go on stage and uh you know we're all we're definitely fans of of music and and uh like you are i mean you know that's what that's what makes this fun yeah and it, I, I guess being in a band too it's like taking all those influences and culminating them together i mean like that also influences the sound of the band as well yeah yeah the 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 band the most the best bands always bring in different influences and elements with each guy in the band um I'm just trying to think of who I was just, I was just re watching and reading an interview with, with someone. I think it might've been sticks, mm. you know, uh, they were talking about their different influences and, uh, Jay is a huge Hendrix fan, you know, and Tommy Shaw is a huge Beatles fan. And they put that together and that's what you get. You get sticks, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's you put it all together, mix it up and boom, you, you got the sound. Yeah. Do you bring a lot of that to the up and coming bands that you're working with? I mean, I've seen all the time, like between Red Voodoo and like a bunch of different guys. It's like, do you do you kind of tell the boys like, you know, you got to take everything that you love, put it together and create a sound, but also create your own thing out of it. You don't want to try and replicate somebody or something that somebody's already done. Well, yeah, I mean, working with those bands that I was doing at that time at their level, um, you know, I didn't really tell them to to do uh, to to be influenced by anybody. They had their own influences, you know, and they were still discovering themselves. Mm -hmm. um, basically, my job with them was to record them in the studio and have them learn to listen to what they were doing. And my job and passion with working with young artists was 
again, like I had mentioned, songs are the most important. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to teach them how to take a jam and a rough idea that they're, they're noodling around with and turn it into a cohesive song. And right. like with Red Voodoo, for example, we did uh, a song called Rise Up. And that was just uh, a, a him strumming on the acoustic guitar and we turned it into a song and it did pretty well. Yeah. Same with their new song they've got. It's called Mystery Girl. Uh, they they re-recorded it, but the the basic core of the song is is how I produced it and helped them wrote it, write it. So they've learned that from me, and uh, that's kind of uh, what my goal was with them is teaching them how to write songs. Yeah, the song is key at the end of the day. You want to be able to grab an acoustic. It doesn't matter how much gated you know reverb is on that snare if you can't sit around a campfire with an acoustic and sing along to the melody. Like, what's the point? Exactly. Tesla's going to be hitting Vegas, uh, big Las Vegas residency kicking off next week, September 29th. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com, uh, houseofblues.com slash Las Vegas. And of course, check out their latest live record and this awesome Aerosmith cover and just, just great stuff. Tesla's still going 40 years later. Do, do you expect to still be around and performing at the level you guys are at this point? Man, I've never expected anything. I mean, I always knew that Tesla would keep going as long as we can and we plan to. I always knew me personally that I'll be playing until I'm 90 years old if I live that long. Yeah. Because uh, it's what I love to do. I'm, it's like a fish. A fish has to swim in the water. And music is my water. And uh, I'm the fish that swims in it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I'm going to continue to play. Um, and hopefully Tesla will continue to keep on doing it. Uh, we plan to for sure. Um, and we're very grateful, man. I mean, there is so many great bands and so many great guitar players and singers that have come and gone and uh, that are still out there. And so I feel very grateful that we are still doing what we do and we have the fans, the loyal fans that still love our music. It's just, it's mind blowing. I never expected it to answer your question. No. I love it. Well, the band's still firing on all cylinders, man. I saw those three shows in that summer and it was amazing. So make sure you go and check out Tesla on the road and pick up this uh, latest uh, live record and just go stream it, download it, do what you got to do to get in your life. It's great. Uh, Frank, it's so great to talk to you. Hey, it's great to talk to you, Jeremy. And uh, so, yeah, one more thing. Um, Miles Away was the first single. There's a video for that. It's on YouTube and it's live and it's rocking. Really proud of it. SOS, we got a video for that. So, you know, search YouTube, everybody, and, and check it out. Yeah, get all the views. Get Give them all the views. Make sure you like and subscribe. Smash that subscribe button so you get more Tesla content, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I may have a, a, a release that I, I may personally put out in December. And if I do, I'll get a hold of our publicist and have her call you. And maybe you would uh, be so kind to check that out. I've got a, a, a tribute that I'm doing to an artist that just passed away. I don't want to say his name. Hmm. but an artist that I'm really a fan of, and I'm going to do a little tribute to him. And that I'm going to try to get that out in December. Awesome. Well, we'll have to look forward to that. It's great. All right, man. An all-new episode of The Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it.